Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TixBlitz.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Double A, it's uh, good to see you again. It's uh, we we missed you last week, but it was a great show uh, with Jeff Burkus in the Windy City Gridiron in his championship belt series part two, and uh, we're going to go into part three with him in a couple of weeks. But uh, we've got a good show lined up for our listeners this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on with the league. Uh, there was a, a big news in Chicago for, with the Bears and, and the loss of, of one of the McCaskies. Um, the, the rules that uh, the McCaskey, or no, I'm sorry, the, the Rooney rule was enhanced, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, and then Joey Ricotta from the, the Score Crow, uh, at The Score Crow on Twitter, uh, wrote a great article detailing the, the Bears draft selections, and we're going to bring him on. And, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the, how the NFL worked this schedule. And you know, just to give our listeners a little tease, the schedule can start with week five. In week five, you have the Bears hosting Tampa on Thursday night. So that would literally be the first game of the year if it gets that far with the, the coronavirus week five, which means you miss the first four weeks of the season, but yet you can still have a 14 game season with a full complement of division games. And we'll get into that. And then in our history segment, we're going to talk about the incomparable Sid Luckman. So, uh, Aaron, it's, uh, it's been a, a busy week in the NFL, uh, starting off with the, the uh, passing of Michael McCaskey, uh, 76 years old. He succumbed to, uh, to cancer. Uh, he, he's uh, got a lot of, uh, he doesn't have a lot of fans in Chicago Bears, uh, you know, in the Twitterverse. And, you know, he did some, uh, some things that as a new guy in charge, he made a lot of mistakes. And it's, it's sad, but this is not a time to look back at all of what he did wrong because he did do some things right, but we need to just reflect. We need to say rest in peace and we, we need to wish the McCaskey family and, and the bears family, nothing but the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, plenty has been said about uh, Michael McCaskey's time in the bears organization and as a leader, uh, you know, president GM of the team doesn't need to be, uh, you know, rehashed now. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a loss for the family. I mean, he hasn't, you know, hasn't been uh, in that position in a long time and 
So it's it's the passing of a member of the uh, of the the family that owns the Bears, and so thoughts and prayers to the to the family um, and everyone uh, who who knew him and uh, loved him. Absolutely. Uh, as we speak, the the virtual meeting league meeting is going on, and and uh, a couple of things that they've done. They've enhanced the, the Rooney rule, which I'm sure most of our listeners know about. We'll get into it in a little bit more detail. Uh, and then they, they made some, some uh, I think, important announcements regarding how the, uh, the teams can start reopening their facilities. So, Aaron, what, what did you think about the, how they're being very equitable in, in opening up the uh, uh, the, the different the different uh, areas of the country uh, in the facilities for the league. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think you know, it's time to get back to things as we can. Um, you know, if if we're going to move forward, the only way to do that is one step at a time and one foot in front of the other. Um, so we'll just see. Um, you know, you can't. As much as everything is uh, is scary out there, you can't just sit back and live in fear. Um, so they have to do what they have to do. And I think the NFL, I mean, they've been lucky at the timing of this, um, if you can call anything about what's going on lucky. But as opposed to the other sports, like, um, you know, basketball and hockey that were in mid-season or toward the end of their season, baseball that was trying to start their season. The NFL has been able to basically, you know, continue uh, unfettered for the most part. They've had to adjust and they've had to do some different things, um, but it's it's not really slowed them down. I mean, even if, like, let's say, it, it, you know, if, if the combine hadn't been able to happen, that I think would have been, um, you know, challenging, but they still uh, may, would have been able to make do and and go forward. So, you know, we'll just see. Um, I think, you know, you sort of look at what's going on with the UFC, uh, the way that they're handling things. Um, I've read some of the plans for baseball. Um, you know, they're talking about resuming the NBA schedule um, in in a in Orlando, using the Disney World facilities. So there's lots of people working very hard to try to. I mean, let's be honest. Let's to try to save all this money that they might lose by losing games. Um, you know, so we'll just see how it goes. I mean, uh, it, it's um, it's going to be very interesting um, to see what happens to people as they perhaps you know get infected or you know get the virus. Um, we were talking about this on my other show. You know, this sort of thing happens in the NFL kind of frequently with staph infections or, you know, uh, flus that, that, you know, can work their way around a team and whatnot. So they're just going to have to get a lot smarter in how they handle it. You're absolutely right. You know, I, I saw numbers uh, this week that the Major League Baseball is losing something upwards of $70 million per day. Uh, without fans in the stands and without games being played, uh, the you know the NBA may be trying to resume their season in you know a couple of, of facilities down in Florida, 
uh, hockey. We haven't heard from anybody in, in terms of, of what's going on with the NHL. All the other leagues have postponed or canceled their seasons. Uh, the NFL has allowed some uh, facilities to open, but it's only for office personnel and for any players that are can, that are in need of treatment uh, and to see to see doctors, uh, team doctors, and get and get therapy, uh, they can go. I don't think the Bears facility is open yet because of the restrictions that. Uh, the the uh, governor of Illinois is, still has on the state. But as we went from, you know, normal day-to-day life to total darkness, you know, it was a day-to-day thing. You know, things were changing on a daily basis. And now as some of these states are opening up, things are changing again on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, a month from now, it, it could be, uh, interesting how many states are, are at least mostly open, if not fully open. There's going to be some, some restrictions, and, and, uh, and, and rightfully so. Another thing I saw uh, was today where uh, the NFL is, is working to develop a, some type of a, a, you know, you've got the windshields on, face, on, on helmets now, and they're they're working with with a, a company to develop basically a, a face shield, kind of like what doctors are wearing uh, to 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 protect the full face. So that's going to be interesting as we see that uh, developing over over time. Uh, the one thing that I the league did that I really enjoyed seeing is they're not going to allow teams with facilities in states that are open faster than other states where NFL teams are located, they're not going to be able to bring their players in until all teams can bring their players in at the same time. And let's face it, even if you're not hitting, if you have people in the facility where you can train them and you can hold meetings, you're going to be ahead of everybody else. So it was good to see what the league did to ensure equitable training going on as as we start to open up the country uh, and we get hopefully football on a regular basis. Yeah, uh, for sure. The, the you know teams are um, moving forward with their rookie training camps. The Bears are no different. Nagy did a, a, a online Zoom press conference with some of the beat reporters uh, last week. Um, and uh, then he did a couple of interviews, uh, one with uh, Wild and Sylvie, um, it was actually uh, Jesse Rogers and Sylvie, um, which I thought was very interesting. He was very honest. He was very open. Um, he talked about admitting um, that not playing the starters in the preseason was a mistake um, that he doesn't plan to make again, obviously partially as a function of the uh, quarterback competition, but he genuinely seemed like that. Um, you know, was something he regretted. And then Sylvie, you know, just said, listen, you know, I, I can't help but say that I'm, I've been frustrated, you know, by watching this team's inability to run the ball. And and Nagy, you know, said that, uh, you know, he, he shared that same sentiment and he, you know, uh, is very committed to, you know, the figuring out why it is that they haven't been able to. Um, and then he spoke about, you know, the team really needing to be more physically and mentally tough uh, in 2020. 
and I just I just thought he was you know really honest and open and I mean he's a you know he's a good talker or whatnot but I was left by listening to the press conference and listening to that interview feeling like I still like this guy. I still like him as a leader. I still think he's a, a guy that people will go to war for. Um, you know, I think the fact that the team, with all its misfortune last year, uh, only went eight and eight um, is actually a testament to, to him and the character of the players that are on that team. Um, and so, you know, and he mentioned also that there's been some benefit to, um, he thinks, uh, the 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 way that, They've had to do things in terms of these Zoom meetings and, um, you know, being able to stay at home and, and you know, so I, he tends to be a glass half full guy, which is nice. Um, doesn't always mess with the Chicago fan base, but, um, you know, he he was looking at the bright side and, and saying that uh, so far, you know, things seem to be going well. And, and he, you know, mentioned Cole Komet has been a bright spot already, you know, in terms of learning the playbook. Um, so some good news out of Hallis uh, Hall or Nagy Hall, as it were. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned Cole Komet in, in you know, Coach Nagy has said he's he's been – so impressed with with Cole so far. There's any question he's asked him about the playbook, he hasn't been able to stump him. So he's, I mean, he's he's just stone cold working on that playbook, which is impressive to me. Another guy that that we're hearing about that is, he, he literally goes out and he pretends he's in a huddle. He goes out and he runs his pass patterns. Um, out on a on a field somewhere is uh, Darnell Mooney. It's, you know, so everybody's kind of doing their own thing, their their own way. But it's impressive to hear about guys like Komet and Mooney that need to contribute for the Bears to be successful this year. And they're going out, they're they're digging into the playbook. Uh, you know, they're they're doing it virtually. You know, in Mooney's case, he's going out to a field, running the routes. He literally pretends he's lining up in a huddle. And he breaks the quote-unquote huddle, goes out to his position, and then runs his route. So it's it's interesting to hear how these guys are doing what they're doing in this this crazy world where we can't have practices. Yeah, well, and so far, Knockwood, the Bears have stayed off of the uh, police blotter, which is more than we can say for a lot of players out there. I think there have been about six or seven different player arrests um, over the, the recent time period, which is a shame because, you know, a lot of these guys do need that structure of getting into camp. Um, and it's just not happening for some of them. And then some of them live in states where there aren't as many restrictions and are finding themselves, uh, you know, getting into trouble. Uh, the Roquan on a boat thing seems rather tame compared to uh, what's been going on. And Nagy actually did address that as well, um, just saying, you know, that they spoke with Roquan and, and made sure that he realized that that was probably not a great look. Um, and then uh, Roquan's activity, at least on social media, has seemed a lot more tame. Uh, and I mean, more normal, honestly, for him. I mean, that was kind of a that was kind of an outlier. So hopefully, um, maybe the the fact you know that uh, like Komet, I mean, he's he's in Arlington Heights. <laughs> he's probably at his parents' house. What does he have to do but sit there and you know uh, 
look at his playbook. So that maybe it'll be, uh, you know, a, a hidden bonus um, as far as that goes. I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Uh, I believe it was uh, our our dear friend, uh, Lester Wolfong, when he was talking about the Ro- Roquan incident. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he was funny because the uh, for those of, of the listeners, if you maybe haven't heard, uh, there were videos posted uh, of Roquan on a boat uh, in you know off of uh, off of Miami, and he's on a boat with a, a, a young lady by the name of Abella Danger. Uh, Abella Danger makes her living uh, exotically, let's just say. <laughs> um, and you know, he said, you know, if if you're a single man in your early 20s in Abella Danger invites you on a boat, you're going. You're going on that boat. So, you know what? You know, if, if trust me, if I'm in Roquan's shoes, I'm on that boat too, man. Right. You know, it is what if there wasn't, I mean, she was, she was pouring a, I think it was beer, you know, mm-hmm. into his mouth, but yeah, most of it missed. Yeah. When you, when you look at the video, most of it didn't make it the, the destination for which it was intended. Yeah. So, you know, it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like he was smoking a bong, you mm-hmm. know, or it wasn't like he was he was snorting cocaine. He was right. on a boat with some good looking women mm-hmm. having a couple of beers. God bless right. him. I wish I, I wish. Trust me. In fact, right now. Uh, I am supposed to be in Bonita Springs, Florida, mm. for a week a week of vacation that got mm. postponed because of the virus. And trust Thanks. me, I, uh, I I I you know there's Wi-Fi in in the condo, and I could have done this show from uh, from Bonita Springs. Would have loved to have done this show yeah. from, from from Bonita Beach, Florida. But right. he, here I here I am stuck in my. Uh, well, at least I'm in Halitech Hall, so right. that's, and that that's a good thing. So, uh, it, it's it's a you know it's just it's just such a non-story. But to your point, there's been several arrests that have been made uh, over over the past you know couple of days, uh, particularly, and uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't bode well for for those guys. Yeah, so right. it's uh, it's nice to see that that this team's culture. Uh, at least on the surface, has so far survived the fact that they're not together all the time. Right, absolutely. Um, so, should we bring on our uh, our guest? Yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, have a message from TickSplits.com, and then uh, we're going to bring in Joey Ricotta from the the Scorecrow. Uh, so his name is. Uh, uh, actually, it, it looks like Ryan Terrio's his Twitter handle. It's the, it's, <laughs> right. You know, it's uh, the Riot three two six, and he writes uh, he writes for the Scorecrow, not Scarecrow, but the Scorecrow on Twitter. So when we come back from uh, our break with Tick Splits, Joey's going to join us. 
So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, that's a message from TixBlitz.com. Of course, any ticket, any venue, and anywhere, um, $6 billion uh, of ticket inventory is on TixBlitz.com. And tickets are... Becoming uh, available for all of the events uh, that are being rescheduled throughout the country as things start to open up. So we are looking hopefully ahead to uh, concert venues and um, things of all natures. There's even uh, many concerts are um, moving to a drive-through or a drive-up concert uh, where basically they they put the stage in the parking lot and everyone drives their car and parks it and then you know you can broadcast it. They can broadcast a concert right to your stereo in your car, um, and you can watch a concert that way just like an old drive-in movie. So that's going to be something that starts happening, and then as venues start to open up. So there's lots of things that will be on TickSplits.com, um, including the NFL, uh, which we'll be talking about the schedule. Right now, uh, however, we are joined by uh, Joe Ricotta. Um, who is a writer for the scorecrow.com. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at the T H E riot R I O T three, two, six. Um, and he's a big bears fan, Chicago sports fan. And, uh, we're very happy to have him on the show. Good evening, Mr. Ricotta. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Joey, it's a, sure. it's a, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, we uh, we talked a little bit before we brought you on on air, uh, and you're a huge uh, huge Bears fan, Bulls, Blackhawks, Cubs fan, not so much a White Sox fan. Uh, tell us tell us where where do you live, and how did you end up becoming such a fan of uh, the Chicago sports teams? Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty local, not not in Chicago, but uh, about an hour and a half away, or two hours away in Rockford. So um, not too far out, but yeah, you know, I, I grew up watching everybody on TV, all the teams, and uh, th- those are the main teams that were playing. And my family, obviously, being fans of the teams, and you know, I, and I did go to a lot of White Sox games too. So when I was a kid, I didn't hate the White Sox, and I still don't. I I never really I, I never really took that whole. Um, you guys are probably gonna hate me for this because I I've got plenty of Sox fans, uh, friends that are like extremely adamant against the Cubs. <laughs> and I'm and I'm not yeah. really that way against the Sox. I just like I hate the Cardinals more than anything. So <laughs> but I went to you know I went to a lot of Sox games but growing up and stuff too. But um, but yeah I'm I'm not far. I just you know I've just always been a fan of Chicago sports ever since I can remember. You know, back in the day when when I was growing up, uh, I I grew up in the northwest suburbs of of the Chicago area in the Schaumburg area, and uh, of course there were diehard Bear fans back then with these huge monstrosity antennas on on the tops of their houses pointed towards Rockford because the the home games were blacked out in the Chicago area, but the Rockford stations would be, be able to broadcast. 
uh, the Bears home games. So uh, you know, it's it's interesting that you you said you're from Rockford because uh, there I spent a lot of lot of time in in some friends' houses when the Bears were playing at home when the when the the, the games were blacked out in Chicago. So. Uh, Joey, oh, cool. hey, welcome aboard uh, to to uh, the Halitech Hall Show. Uh, I'm Michael Halitech, and my my, co- my producer and co-host Aaron Torricelli is with us. We're speaking to again uh, Joey Ricotta from the Scorecrow, and uh, Joey. Uh, shortly after the draft, uh, back at the end of April, which seems like it was about a year ago already. Um, you wrote a review about the, the draft choices. So uh, let's start with the second round and, and tell me what you did you think about the two draft choices the Bears selected? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, since then, not a whole lot's changed from the review that I wrote. I mean, originally I didn't like the pick with Cole Komet, but I, but I understood it, you know, because I know they need a tight end and obviously Nagy's looking for somebody that fits the system. And they've been di- they've been desperately searching for for a tight end that that really fits the system. And it's it's obvious they can't they haven't found it with Burton and then now getting rid of Burton, Shaheen. We know what a kind of a disaster that's been. So um, last year they had, you know, what seemed like a millions of guys out there, just bodies with, you know, J.P. Holtz and. Uh, Horstead and the rest of them, which, you know, you see some, some potential with a couple of those guys, but um, you just, you know, they, and they forked out all that money in free agency to Jimmy Graham, which, I mean, it's not a ton of money, but for what he is being a veteran, I, I thought it was a little bit of an overspend, but Komet, he really has like looking, looking at it after the fact, I was like, wow, well, he could really turn into something. And he was definitely the consensus uh, number one tight end in the draft. Um, you know, he has that great leaping ability. Um, the one thing that stuck out stuck out to me too was he, they moved him around the line quite a bit at Notre Dame. And, you know, I'm also a Notre Dame fan, but so I, I got to watch him quite a bit and he didn't really, wasn't overly special watching him. So I guess that's why I was like, well, what the hell? What, you know, watching it or seeing the pick. I wasn't overly uh, high on any of the tight ends uh, in the draft, which obviously Ryan Pace, he was hinting towards it before the draft all along. He's, he's like, oh, we think this is a great tight end uh, class this year. So he kind of saw the pick coming. He just didn't know when it was going to come. But uh, with Komet, I mean, he's got a lot of upside. And I, and I really, if they can, you know, kind of uh, broaden his horizons a little bit with the route running, um, instead of just flat routes and seam routes and stuff like that. And maybe, you know, his run blocking isn't as terrible as everybody talks about. Um, but if he can improve on that, I think they really could have something there at tight end. And, uh, you know, this, the other second-round pick, Jalen Johnson, um, many people's board, obviously, they had him as a first-round uh, talent. And he was very, very good. He played through injuries with the, with the torn labrum. Um, actually had two different surgeries, I believe, two or three different surgeries um, off season, but he only missed one game from what I remember um, in 2018. He didn't miss a game at all last year, and he fought through the injury, and he just shows a heck of a, an ability at playing the ball. Um, press man, he's very good press man, um, and he wants to cover Devontae Adams, of all people. 
So, I mean, you got to love that. So I, I really like what they did. Yeah, one of the things I like about uh, about this kid, Jalen Johnson, I love his attitude. Yeah, he said, yeah, who do you want to cover? I want to cover Devontae Adams. And now he gets to do it twice a year. Uh, you know, they what are your goals for the year? He says, I want to make I want to make the starting roster. I want to make the starting lineup. I want to be what I think he said the uh, defensive rookie of the year, and I want to and I want a Super Bowl trophy. Uh, how can you not love that guy uh, after after his you know his initial press conference in Chicago? Oh, you gotta love it. I mean, the guy the guy was he, he showed an immense amount of toughness. And then just his attitude alone, like you said, I mean, he wants to be a bear. He wants to succeed at the next level and he will do it because he has that kind of determination. I really believe he's going to do it barring any kind of setbacks with injuries and stuff like that, because you never know how that stuff's going to turn out. But um, I could see him being a day one starter this year and making a real impact. After the bears had their draft and we'll get back to the draft in just a minute, but they they signed Gibson to be a safety, uh, and he is almost maybe a lesser version of Eddie Jackson. And if you in fact have a day one starter with with Jalen with Fuller on the other side, uh, I don't know who's going to be the nickel back. But you've got one of the best front sevens in all of football with the addition of Robert Quinn and a healthy Hicks and a healthy Mac, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, the Urlacher bears defenses of the mid 2000, the, you know, the, the decade of the two thousands, the odd decade of, of the 2000. And uh, it, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun to watch. Obviously uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, uh, about the offense in a little bit, but, uh, after round two, the Bears took a break. They didn't have a draft choice in rounds three or four. They traded up using a, I believe it was a fourth round draft pick uh, from the 2021 draft to get in. And, and I think the Bears have three steals in this draft. The first one was Jalen Johnson. The second one is 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 Travis Gibson, the edge edge rusher out of Tulsa. Yeah, Gibson. He was surprising to me um, because I, I just didn't expect them to trade up and and take an edge rusher there. I think he has a lot of tools, though. I mean, obviously, they love his length. Um, you know, he's got the long arms. Um, he's he's really he's really raw, though, from from an edge rushing standpoint. And so there's a lot of things that they can do to to get him to where they want. But they see the upside there. And I do, too. Um, but we've seen guys like that come in and be project pieces and not pan out. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little leery of him, I guess, you know, because they did trade up for him. So it was a little bit like, well, he better be, you know, something if you're going to trade up for him. But at that round, I mean, you didn't give up a whole lot, I guess. Um, but the 2021 pick, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, you can never have too many edge rushers, you, you know, even with Robert Quinn, you don't know how long he's going to last. Um, and then just to have it like a situational type of piece like that, it's it's always always a good thing. Now this this kid has got almost a seven foot wingspan. 
81 and a quarter inches from fingertip to fingertip. That's, you know, you, you just, that's something that you can't, you can't teach. You're either born with it or you're not. So it's, it's interesting that, that I, I love the pick. I was high on him from, from day one when I first started learning about this kid. Uh, he had a ton of great interviews down at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, he ended up having a, a decent Super Bowl as, as well, or a Senior Bowl, I mean. So I, I really, I, I just love the pick. Aaron, you, what are your thoughts on Gibson? Uh, I mean, I think it was a, a, a nice pick. Um, again, I'm not going to hold my breath for much production from him this season. Um, I think that, uh, you know, as, as uh, Joe said, you know, we you definitely need uh, rotation in terms of the edge rushing. Uh, you can certainly never have too many. Um, but, you know, in terms of he looks, I mean, he looks the part. Looks like a strong kid. Apparently, you know, according to scouting reports, he's got a lot of um, got a lot of moves. Um, you know, got the bend that they look for in the edge rushers. Um, he's got the got the motor. Got all the you know all the buzzwords um, stacked up there. So we'll see. Um, Pace has been pretty good in terms of picking defensive guys. Um, so you know, I don't really trust him in the offensive department, although I didn't really have much of a problem with the, with the commit pick, but um, you know, it's so, so far he's been pretty solid uh, in picking defensive guys. So uh, I think it'll be good. Again, I, I'm not going to, you know, look for him to, to get a lot of snaps in 2020. Um, but I, I think he's going to, you know, he should certainly make the team and you never know. He could be a surprise uh, contributor. When you take a look at the fact that you've now replaced uh, Leonard Floyd and Aaron Lynch with Travis Gibson and, and Robert Quinn, I think that's a good trade-off. What, what do you think, Joey? Uh, definitely from a pass rushing standpoint. I mean, Robert Quinn, we know what he can do, and he's definitely an upgrade over uh, Leonard Floyd in that department. Floyd, he did a lot of other things that, that go overlooked. Um, at least from like a run stopping standpoint, even in, co in, in coverage at times, um, he was, he was actually, uh, pretty solid there. Um, you know, he just wasn't getting to the quarterback and that's what you need. It's, that's really what you need from the edge rushing position. That's what you drafted him to be, especially with such a high pick. So, um, you know, it was, it was only a matter of time before they wound up cutting ties with him and, and, uh, Robert Quinn's obviously a big, uh, upgrade there Gibson as far as Gibson and Lynch go Gibson might take a little bit of time and Lynch is kind of you could kind of count on him to be that that rotational piece I mean you can't he wasn't dependable as far as you you weren't going to put him out there every down wasn't that kind of guy but um you know we'll have to see with Gibson it's 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 um not guaranteed but I can see where if you're going to give me Quinn and him or Floyd and uh, uh, Lynch, I'll definitely take the Quinn and Gibson side all day. All I think Aaron Lynch was guaranteeing last year was offsides penalties, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's, yeah. He and it was like, that was, uh, I, his time in Chicago, um, I'm happy has come to an end because he was a complete disappointment. He, I think he was only brought here because of his familiarity with Fangio, and I was hoping he would follow Fangio to Denver and, 
He didn't, and he stayed in 2019, and his 2019 campaign was uh, regrettable at best. Um, so I'm not sure if Gibson's going to be the guy that, that steps right in and gets all those snaps. I mean, it's possible. Um, it, you could maybe more likely see a Isaiah Irving or a, uh, maybe a Zvodders, uh guy who might get those snaps before uh, Gibson. But you never know. I mean, you know, there are a lot of people that like to, like the pick of Gibson. So um, he, he certainly seems to have the talent and just uh, how, how he's going to transition and, and, you know, where, the way we're looking where basically, you know, uh, there could be very little training camp. Uh, you might not see as much production out of these rookies as you might want. You're absolutely right. Speaking of rookies, we're going to continue our, our draft conversation with Joey Ricotta with the second of three picks that the Bears had in the fifth round. Uh, and this is a guy, quite frankly, I knew nothing about. Uh, he's a cornerback out of Georgia Southern by the name of Kendall Vildor. Uh, Joey, what's your analysis on Kendall? Uh, Vildor, just like you, I didn't know a whole lot about him, but I watched a lot of tape on him. And I was just intrigued because I would see something different almost every time I watched the tape on him. And, and he's come from the smaller school, Georgia Southern. And you know how Pace loves these smaller school guys for whatever reason. But, you know, he, sometimes they work. But, you know, like last year, Stephen Denmark from now I'm, it's escaping me where he was from. But, um, you know, we see it time and time again. But Vildor, he really, I mean, a lot of guys see him as a nickelback type or, or you know, contributing right away as, on special teams. Um, but he could be even more than that, I believe. I think he could play on the outside potentially, uh, you know, not next year, obviously, uh, maybe down the line in a couple of years. But he's, you know, he's really, really sticky. He, he, needs, to, he needs to work on getting his head around. Um, a little bit quicker tackling for sure. He, he can hit. He can definitely hit. But the problem is I I would see him when he gets space, like running up to running backs or whatever, anybody in space, they get time with him. He can really look bad when it comes to tackling. But um, so he's definitely raw too, like Gibson, um, but with a different position, obviously. But um he there's potential there. This is this could be a really good value pick. Um, I really love his ball skills. I mean, he can and he he's not afraid to put hands on a receiver. He will go toe to toe with a receiver all day long. He just sometimes looks tentative when he's in space trying to tackle. That's all. So I like it. Though. The Bears have 18 defensive backs on their roster currently. So it's going to be there's going to be a lot of competition because you generally you, you keep 10 defensive backs on your roster. So uh, there's going to be plenty of, of competition. We talked a little bit about uh, Mr. Denmark uh, and he came from Valdosta state. So uh, talk yeah. about, talk about a small, small town, uh, you know, small time schools. So uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, the next draft pick that I want to, that we're going to talk about now is their third pick in the fifth round that I really think is a, a, the third of the three steals the Bears got in this draft, and that's wide receiver Darnell Mooney out of Tulane. Yeah, Mooney is 
he he's a really good route runner and he flies. He can get down the field. I mean, Ted Ginn obviously was brought in for that this upcoming year to fill the role immediately. Which what what they were kind of hoping for for uh, from Taylor Gabriel, which you know never really came to fruition. But he he we saw some of that. We saw some flashes of the speed downfield and stuff. But like the Redskins game last year and and so on. But um, it's just not consistent enough. And then you know had trouble staying on the field as well. Um, but Mooney, this, he could really be a steal and he's got the motivation too. Like we were talking about with Jalen, uh, Jalen Johnson. Um, he's already, you know, rehearsing plays and, and going and acting them out, uh, on the field as that that's came out and been reported recently. Um, I mean, he, he's got to work on his hands. Like he definitely has some work to do with his hands, but as far as an outside speed receiver, he could learn. And I, I think there's real potential here. I really do. Wide receivers. There are 12 wide receivers on the roster. Uh, obviously there's some, some guys on there that, that we haven't heard of with like Alex Wesley and Ahmad Wagner. But when you take a look at, at the roster, You've got you've got Ted Ginn who's replacing Taylor Gabriel in the lineup. You've got Mooney who's and who's going to be unseated. Is it going to be Wims or is it going to be Ridley? Which seems to be you know that that would be that spot. Yeah, I'm with you 100. Um, percent I think it's Wims, and I, it's unfortunate because he didn't get a whole lot of playing time. It's not like he was out there all the time. We didn't get to see a whole lot of him, but we got to see more of him than Ridley. Ridley, you know, I think when when he got hurt uh, before the season, early on, he, and he had he had a trouble. Just you got to. It takes time to learn a pro system. It takes time to to get acclimated to the pro level itself and the speed and everything. So dealing with injury and stuff like that, I don't think he really had a chance to prove himself. And they they don't want a pick to be wasted. And with Riley Ridley, he he really was known for his route running uh, in college. And I mean, he still there still could be something there. Wims too. I mean, it's it would be unfortunate to see him go because I still think there's something there with him too. I'll, he'll latch on somewhere for sure. But unfortunately, I think he's the odd, odd man out here. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I could see them um, possibly keeping more receivers uh, this season. And um, they have been some changes change to the practice uh, squad where they can move guys up. Basically, now you have what's effectively a 12-man practice squad. Um and guys can move up and down a few times without being exposed to being picked up. So I have a feeling, and I don't, I don't have any sources on this or anything, but I just have a feeling that maybe the offensive line would be an area they might, uh, you know, have more guys that they move up and down from the practice squad, and then they um, could be keeping uh, one less tight end because there's, you know, at least. You can say what you want about the Jimmy Graham signing, but you can plug him in and you you know that he's going to probably be there for all 16 games. So you don't have to have quite as much depth as much on the roster. So, I, I you know, I think they still like Wims a lot. Um, I am kind of on the fence with him. I think he's shown some flashes. Uh, he also seems to be a guy that, that still has trouble getting lined up. 
properly. Um, you know, there's been some some times where you know he can make a big play and then have a lapse. Um, and you know, he was on the field actually quite a bit um, last year, and he really didn't get a lot of catches. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think you know if if uh, somehow Trubisky plays better or we get Foles. Um, you know, obviously Anthony Miller is probably going to benefit the most from that, but then uh, I think, you know, um, next up would be Wims. Um, and and as far as Ted Ginn goes, I don't I don't think you're going to see him on the field a ton, um, but you never know. Um, they they could be they could be something where they you know they like what he does, um, but you know they they've got to be looking over their shoulder these receivers for sure. Uh, there's and it's just like with the cornerbacks. I mean, I think you know with the cornerback, you took a position of weakness after Amukamara was gone, and then now I think you know you could say it's a position of strength, and they actually have uh, a good amount of depth. But guys like Duke Shelley, Stephen Denmark, um, you know, I, I think they should be worried about about making this team. You're probably right. In fact, you know Shelley made the roster, I believe, opening day, he had several penalties on special teams, holding or illegal blocks in the back, which, you know, they they actually ended up putting him back onto the practice squad. There are some interesting changes this year in terms of the, of the practice squad. You can bring up two players. One of them does have to be an offensive lineman off the practice squad to game day. So you can actually dress 48 players on game day as opposed to 46 last year. And like you said, the, the practice squad was increased to to 12. And there's been some changes in terms of tenure. Uh, so you, you used to have you know, some eligibility requirements, and those have been relaxed a little bit. Another interesting change to the roster while we're talking about it is you now have three players that you can end up designating to return off of IRR uh, after being on for eight weeks instead of just two. So, you know, we haven't even had a chance to talk about the new CBA. We'll probably have to do that on an upcoming episode. But we're, we're sitting here this evening talking to Joey Ricotta from The Score Crow, uh, you can find the the Scorecrow, not Scorecrow, but the Scorecrow uh, on Twitter. There's two. That's two different accounts. Uh, and and Joey uh, is a is a big time Bears fan living in Rockford, Illinois. He loves the Cubs as well. And we're discussing the draft picks that the Bears had in 2020. And we are now down to round seven. They didn't have a draft choice in uh, in round six and they held pat to 26 and 27 there were a lot of people thinking that they were going to use one of those seven round picks uh to uh to latch on to uh morgan with the quarterback that ended up going to seattle as a uh, as an undrafted free agent uh, but they ended up with uh with uh, a ham and a pig Arlington Hambright out of Colorado, uh, whose nickname, of course, is Ham from Hambright. And I believe uh, Lacavius Simmons uh, got a, the nickname Pig from his grandmother when he was a kid. Uh, he comes in from another small school, uh, Tennessee State. 
Uh, Tennessee State is is home to one of the, the all-time greatest bear pass rushers in the history of the franchise. A skinny little kid in 1983 that the Bears took a shot on and drafted him, I, I want to say, in, is late in, in the, the draft back then. Uh, ended up the guy had had terrible teeth. They took him to a dentist. They got his teeth fixed. They got him on a weight program. And uh, his nickname is the Colonel. Richard Dent came out of Tennessee State and lit the league on fire with his uh, with his sack ability. And we've got this kid now called the Pig uh, that I kind of like. Uh, you know, these are two draft choices, Joey. Again, I didn't know anything about when the draft happened, but Simmons kind of stuck out to me because after looking at some of his tape, he's got a real mean streak to him which is something the Bears' offensive line really needs. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Simmons, I mean, well, when I say I love it, I mean, they're, they're both flyer guys that you can just you just take a shot at late, that you see stuff that you can work with and improve on. But Simmons really, he's nasty. Like, he really is nasty. He'll, he'll hit you. And like he said, you know, I'm a bloody-your-nose type of guy on the field. I mean, and he shows that, too. I mean, you know, so Pace, again, going with the, you know, Tennessee State, going with the, the smaller school type of guy. But, um, you know, it doesn't matter where you go as long as you produce, like you said about Richard Dent. I mean, that's great. That's a great history lesson right there. Um, you know, and then Ham, uh, you know, he's a little bit undersized, so he'll probably be at guard instead of tackle um really both of them are probably more of guards simmons could do both i think um but yeah there's there's nothing not to like here especially this late in the draft um and you know offensive line is a huge issue with the bears last year was and really they're just piecing it together this year with guys like jermaine effetti and you know, who knows who the right guard's going to be, if it's him or if it's going to be Alex Bars or Coward or, you know, who the hell knows at this point. So, you know, one of these guys could step up. And we saw Charles Leno. He was a seventh rounder, and he's a starter now. I mean, he didn't play good last year, but he was a pro bowler in 18. So, you know, you just never know. These, these guys could really turn into something, especially with line. You know, once they start learning technique a little bit more, um, from pro coaches, offensive line coaches, they, you know, I think the Bears could could uh, one of these two guys could turn into something. If one not. of one of the uh, one of the pickups the Bears had um, that kind of has floated under the radar uh, is uh, this kid. The, he's in his fifth year. He he came from Green Bay. Uh, he played in 36 games. He had nine starts, seven at right tackle, two at right guard. Um, and the Bears signed him this uh, this offseason. And, and that's a guy by the name of Jason Spriggs. Uh, you know, like I said, he's in his fifth year. He's 6'6", 301 pounds out of Indiana. He's only 26 years old. And, uh, you know, is this a, a guy that uh, is going to be a swing guy? For, for the team in terms of depth, or is he going to move into a starting role? Um, I, th- I, f- I kind of see him more as a depth guy to start because I feel like they're going to go ahead and roll with um, with what they got with Leno and Massey. 
because that's what the you know they got with the contract. I mean, Spriggs is more of the 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 cheap deal. Let's see if we can turn him into something that that the Packers and the Bears were actually on him. They wanted him um, that draft. I believe it was 2016, if I'm not mistaken. But um, when the Packers took him, I think the Packers moved up to get him. Um, but either way, which turned out to be you know not a good move because he didn't pan out in Green Bay really. Uh, for what they what they thought he would be, and the Bears ended up taking uh, Cody Whitehair, who's 16 or 17. I can't remember right now, but um, but uh, yeah. So they uh, he I think he could be you know if one of those guys fails again, like off the bat, like really miserably with Massey or Leno, you know he could be they they could turn him around and he could end up being living up to that second round potential with uh, what Green Bay selected him as. With Ifedi and Spriggs, uh, one thing that, that seems to happen, not all the time, but many times, is when, when you get a new lease on life and you get a fresh start with a different team, uh, all of a sudden the lights go on and, and you do play up to your potential. So let's hope that that's what happens with these guys. And, and as you said, offensive line was absolutely abysmal in 2019 starting right out the gate um you know and we've talked about this often on this show and i've talked about it often on twitter and on facebook you look at mitch trubisky's best game last year and that was the the i think it was a monday night game in washington against the redskins where taylor gabriel caught three touchdowns and i think in the, all in the second quarter and he had another drive in the red zone where he threw an interception, Trubisky did. Uh, but when you take a look at the film, Kyle Long was sitting in his lap. He, he, was, you know, he, was, he was having Kyle Long for lunch when he was trying to release the ball and uh, you know, he ended up throwing a bad pass that got intercepted. But that wasn't entirely Mitch's fault because he, he, he had the guy open. He just couldn't get enough on the ball because he had somebody right in, right in his grill and it was his own offensive lineman. So that that one play, and there was another play in the Washington game where where Kyle Long got he, he was trying to 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 pull to the left, and he he ended up getting wasted, and and he was you know he looked like a rag doll on the field the way he got thrown off the the by by the defensive lineman, and you just knew his career was done at that point. So. Offensive line is definitely a priority. They didn't address it with a lot of first-round picks, but they did address it with some some free agent signings and some late-round picks, and you know, hopefully, some guys get healthy uh, because obviously injuries kind of nag by the end of the season. But when you take a look at the at the end of the season, you know, the Bears were five and three to finish the year after starting three and five. Uh, when they ended up losing four straight to uh, to really take them out of any playoff competition, but yet they're one game out of the playoffs. Uh, you know, if if they win if they win nine games, they're in the playoffs this year based on last year's record, with the new seven teams in, uh, starting with the playoffs this year. So it doesn't take a lot. You know, they were 11 and five in in 18. They got decimated on the defensive side with injuries. Their offensive line was terrible. 
which I think led, and this is my personal opinion. I know, I, I believe Aaron doesn't sh share the same opinion with me, but I think that the shoddy line play in front of Trubisky uh, really killed his confidence. And when you're not playing, you know, under center with a lot of confidence, you, you're you're just you're just a you're not even a a game manager at that point. You're just hoping that he doesn't screw the the team with with a bad turnover. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I mean, there's yeah, there's a couple parts of that because obviously the line play. Um, plays a role in everything the offense does, you know, and, and goes into running the ball too. I and mean, they could not run the ball at all last year. Not that Nagy really <laughs> tried a whole lot, but they weren't having much success. They weren't getting much, much push. And, you know, David Montgomery, I think he was like between fifth and seventh in broken tackles last year. I mean, he, he had to fight for every yard that he got last year. It felt like, Mm -hmm. So, you know, so, you know, when you're not getting a good running uh, run game, you're not getting the running game going, I should say. Um, it's extremely hard when when defenses are just gear rearing up, gearing up to, to take you out. I mean, they're just they're pinning back and they're just they're just going after you. And, and it's and it, their their confidence is extremely high. They feel like every single down they have a shot to get you and they're going to put somebody in your face. And it was it was happening a lot. And, uh, you know, Trubisky, you know, obviously you can't when he did when he did have time, you know, he, he also was very erratic and he didn't progress through his reads enough. He missed Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller was open a lot more than he got. He even, even gets credit for last year. Um, and he just wasn't even found. He wasn't even looked his direction wasn't even looked at a lot of times. So I, I, I really like uh, the pieces around, you know, and it, who knows who the starting quarterback is going to be this year to start. I mean, we, a lot of people feel like it's going to be Foles. Some people think it's going to be Mitch to still get a chance right off the bat. And then if he struggles, it'll be Foles. I mean, everything kind of points towards Foles starting it out, but I mean, who really knows? And uh, I feel like this, this fifth, uh, fifth year option that they, de they declined, um, it's kind of telling, but at the same time, I mean, I would love to see the kids succeed. And, you know, if they can improve that offensive line, if that's really, you know, if the confidence thing was, was the, the uh, played a huge part in that, which I'm sure it played a factor some uh, at least somewhat, um, you know, if that was the big thing, then why not give them a chance the first two games? Um, I think, it's really going to be interesting to see what happens because we don't know if we're going to get a preseason or not this year. So the whole quarterback competition thing, I mean, you know, we, we might have, it's going to be up in the air. And what do you do at that point? Do you just go with the veteran or do you go with the guy that, I mean, both these guys know the system at this point and Foles knows how to run this type of system. So I don't know. It'll be really interesting this year. To see yeah, how absolutely. Yeah. We've been visiting with Joey Ricotta from The Score Crow. You can find him on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle, Joey? Uh, at the Riot 326. 
So uh, a, a little homage to Ryan Terrio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People think people think I'm a huge fan of Terrio because I have that, and it's just really coincidental because I made my email and everything like around the time when he was a Cub. So I was like, you know, I don't really like Terrio all that much, but it was just like a random email I created. So <laughs> stuck with it. It is it is what it is, and and it's at the Scorecrow. Uh, Joe, I appreciate you coming on with us. Hopefully we can have you on again later in, in the year. Hey, thank you, Michael and Aaron. I really appreciate it too, man. This has been a lot of fun. I love talking Bears football. All right. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks a lot. All right. We will be right back after a word from our sponsor, TickSplits.com. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL schedule. And then as we do uh, just about every episode on Halitech Hall, we're going to do our history segment on none other than the greatest quarterback to ever wear a Bears jersey, none other than Sid Luckman. We'll be right back. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TixBlitz.com today. TixSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TixSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Thanks again to Joey Ricotta from uh, The Scorecrow. A lot of great insight about some of the Bears' draft choices. He wrote a great article that you can find on thescorecrow.com about the Bears' draft. He's done a lot of film study on the guys, and and I was really impressed with his writing. So uh, we reached out to The Scorecrow. We found Joey and and uh, he's now a, uh, a Halitech Hall listener and subscriber. So we urge you to follow us on, on podbean.com. And, again, we thank TickSplits for their support. We have a surprise that we're going to talk about right now, courtesy of TickSplits.com. If you go to uh, our Twitter account at Halitech Hall, uh, there is pinned at the top of our profile a survey asking you what one game would you like to see, assuming that you can attend all the games this year. Uh, and it's uh, it's like Green Bay, Minnesota, Tampa, uh, and New Orleans. And uh, it lasts for a week when the survey closes. We will we will figure out a way to have a contest to give away two tickets to the game that you fans selected, compliments of, of TickSplits.com. So go to TickSplits for all of your ticket needs. Make sure you use Tailgate, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E, as a promo code to get 5% off any purchases. That's TickSplits.com, every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Uh, Aaron joins us back again in, in the next part of our show. We're going to talk a little bit about the the season schedule, not just the Bears schedule, but the season schedule, because the NFL spent a lot of time. That's why they de- delayed the, the release of the schedule by almost three weeks. And I think they got it right. So uh, opening night is, uh, of course, the, uh, the first Thursday after Labor Day. Uh, and it's a rematch of, of an AFC playoff game where the Houston Texans uh, traveled to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. 
uh, in what should be one hell of a game. But, Aaron, what if the league's not ready because of the virus? Uh, you know, there's some great contingencies in this schedule that we're going to start talking about. Yeah, um, you know, I hope that doesn't happen. Um, but, uh, you know, they've got to be prepared. Um, and, you know, I think you were telling me you know, before we started recording that, uh, you know, they could uh, end up starting the season uh, with the Bears uh, and the Tampa game, right? That's correct. They could actually delay the season by and start on week five. So you're losing four games, right? Wrong. What they what they have done is, uh, and the, the the league has a lot of, I don't know, they've a lot of practice, for lack of a better word, in being flexible with with league schedules. Uh, most of our listeners, and I'm sure Aaron, you you remember uh, the the 9/11 tragedy back in 2001, um, and flights were canceled. You couldn't get a flight anywhere. So of course the league had to suspend or postpone all of the games for that week. I think it was week two uh, in the 2001 schedule. The Bears were supposed to play Jacksonville in Chicago. And what the league ended up doing is they suspended all of the games that week and pushed it back to the end of the schedule and just added a week to the 2001 schedule by pushing back the playoffs one week so there became no bye week between the conference title game and the Super Bowl. And when you look at week one, that would be the easiest thing to do is, is delay the start of the season by one week and push it back to the end of the and have it. That's, that would be Sunday, January 10th. I don't think there would be any games on Saturday or, or, or Monday. They would just have a full slate of Sunday games. Um, Week two, different scenario. So if, if you take a look at, at week two, uh, let's just take, take a look at, at our division to start. Uh, the, Bears, um, the Bears play the New York Giants. Um, Minnesota plays at Indianapolis. And there's a conference or a, a division game with Detroit playing at Green Bay. What the league did on week two is every single game in week two, the opponents share a common bye week. So Cincinnati and Cleveland, which is supposed to be the Thursday night game, uh, and the, the L.A. Rams are playing at Philadelphia. They all share week nine as their bye week. Uh, Atlanta and Dallas are, are week 10, and so on and so on. The Bears have a bye week along with with five other teams in week 11. So what the obvious plan is, if they need to delay the season by two weeks, they're going to move the first week to the end of the, the season, and it'll be, in, in essence, a week 17 or 18, if you will, where all the games will be played on Sunday, January 10th, and they'll just move the playoffs back a week and again, have no bye week between the conference title games and the Super Bowl, which is scheduled to be in Tampa this year. Where it gets tricky is weeks three and four. Uh, but what the league did, they did two things in weeks three and four. A, 
there are no division games played weeks three and four. So if they need to cancel those two weeks, the league still has every division playing their six division games within the season. Uh, the second thing that they did or B is every single team in the league plays one home game and one away game in weeks three and four. Now, this is not something that, that is, you know, etched in stone by the league. This is just something that, that our folks over at TickSplits and, and their, uh, their IT people have taken a look at when it comes to the schedule. Uh, and it's an interesting scenario that they've built in this flexibility uh, for the first four, four weeks of the season. So, yes, you could literally start week five where the Bears host Tampa on Thursday night, October 8th, and still end up having a 14-game schedule before they hit the playoffs. Great job by the league. Aaron, any comments? Uh, you know, I, I don't have anything to add to it, really. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I got to give the league credit. Um, sounds like... Uh, that uh, there'll be good contingencies in place. Um, it's just gonna, you know, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be a week by week thing. I mean, I don't, um, it, as they say about best laid plans, you know, um, we'll see. Um, but uh, it'll it'll be interesting. Uh, the one thing I, I, you know, and I think I mentioned this before that I'm excited about the Bears' schedule is that it's very normal. Um, so no holidays, a lot of noon games. A lot of, um, you know, regular Sunday games, not too much national televised stuff. So uh, I, I kind of I'm hoping it stays that way. Um, you know, personally, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see all these people picking the Bears to be bad because I think that's uh, it's very wrong. Number one and number two, um, I, I think that's going to do wonders for uh, the level of uh, chips on people's shoulders within the organization and on the team. And uh, the Bears just tend to do better with lower expectations. So, um, you know, that's good. Um, I, I hope none of these contingencies, of course, have to happen. And I'm sure the league feels the same. But uh, it's good to know that they at least uh, have some semblance of a plan in place. You're absolutely right. It, it looks like the, the Bears have, uh, let's see, four primetime games. They, the Thursday night game against Tampa at home. Uh, they have a Monday night game in Los Angeles at the new SoFi Stadium against the Rams. Uh, they come home and they have a, a late afternoon game against the Saints at 325. They play the Vikings again on Monday night. Um, on Monday night, November 16th, which is their last game before their week 11 bye, assuming that the, the schedule stays the same. Uh, and then they come off their bye to play Green Bay on a Sunday night up in Lambeau Field. And then their last five games are all slated to start at noon. But you could easily see, you know, a, a couple of games being flexed there, uh, one being the game against the Texans, uh, which is a CBS game uh, slated for December 13th at noon. And then, of course, the Packers play. They play the Packers week 17 in, in, in Chicago 
And that game might get flexed because the, that game could mean the difference of uh, who wins the, the NFC North. So it is, right. uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting schedule. Um, so uh, I kudos again to the league for really taking the time to get this schedule filled with some of these contingencies we've just got done talking about. Every week on the Halitech Hall Show, or at least most weeks, we always have a history segment. Um, and over the last several weeks, we've been talking when we don't have special guests like last week when we had Jeff Burke is talking about the Bears Championship Belt Series. Uh, like when we had Jack Silverstein on talking about the Bears throwback jerseys uh, back last year. Uh, we've been going over all of the Bears whose jerseys were retired by George Hallis and by the Bears organization after Hallis passed. And we are up to number 42, which is, you know, I'd sad to say, uh, in in light of, of recent history with the quarterback situation. But the greatest quarterback to ever wear a Bears uniform, and that's number 42, Sid Luckman. Uh, you know, Sid, Sid Luckman, um, interesting career. He was, he was actually not drafted by the Bears, but uh, you know, George Hallis actually... Uh, May, he, he actually got the Pittsburgh, they were actually called the Pirates then, the Steelers franchise, to draft Luckman in the second to second overall and then trade him to the Bears. Uh, and Luckman literally said, thanks, but no thanks. And he didn't want to play football. He instead, he, he actually wanted to, uh, um, I believe it was going into his father's business or his father-in-law's business, but uh, Hallis actually went to Luckman's home where he, Luckman's wife made them dinner. He presented him with a contract, which he signed on the spot, and he became a bear, and the rest was his history. Uh, you know, and this is a guy, uh, by the way, that contract was for $5,500, which in 1940 was a lot of money. It's equivalent to about $100,000 today as a signing bonus, which is peanuts in terms of today's standard signing bonuses. But, but obviously, uh, you know, back then that was a huge, uh, you know, um, amount of money. So uh, Hallis actually went to his home to get him to come and play football for the Bears, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he played in 1939. In 1940, um, he took over the offense and, and led the Bears to the title game against Sammy Baugh uh, and the Washington Redskins. A couple of weeks before that game, the Redskins beat the Bears, and they were kind of laughing about it, and, and Hales took it personal, and he, you know, uh, you can maybe go back to, uh, you know, uh, locker room material, uh, you know, locker room board material. Uh, and he let every player on the Bears team know that uh, what, what the Redskins were saying. And that year, the, the first year of the T formation, 
is the single most lopsided game in the history of, of NFL championships. The Bears scored 11 touchdowns. They didn't convert on four extra points, um, a lot of which were in the second half. When the Bears were asked by the, by the officials to stop kicking extra points because the balls were getting lost in the stands and they didn't have enough balls to, to maybe finish the game. Uh, so 73 to nothing, uh, which is, uh, which is uh, still a, a record today. Um, Luppen only passed the ball six times in that game. But he threw, um, yeah, he was four for six for 102 yards. He averaged over 25 yards of completion uh, in, in that game. But uh, the, one, the one year that uh, you really want to concentrate on when it, when it comes to uh, Sid Luckman is his, his uh, MVP year of 1943. Now, if you look at, on the surface, in, by today's standards, not that yeah, it was an okay year. You know, he threw 202 passes. He had 110 completions. He only had 2,194 yards, but it led the league in yards passing. He had 28 touchdowns, which was a lot back in those days. In fact, this is a record that still stands to this day. He, for every pass he threw, 13.9% of those passes went for touchdowns. That record has never been broken. How significant is that? Aaron, we had, we had Jeff on, Jeff Burkus on last week, and he went over that, this, and it's, it's interesting. He actually extrapolated what Sid Luckman's stats would be in a 16-game season based on what he did in, in 1943, um, and he, he extrapolated it and, and used some numbers through which the league is currently using as a quarterback. If, if you take the 1943 season and put it into the 2018 season, I guarantee you Patrick Mahomes does not win the MVP that year because Mahomes threw for 50 touchdown passes and five something like 4,800 yards or whatever it was. Sid Luckman's 2018 stats would be 6,300 yards and 80, that's eight zero touchdown passes, uh, which would be the equivalent in a 16-game schedule based on quarterback play in today's world as opposed to what it was in 1943. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, pretty amazing uh, stuff, especially for a guy that it was not really a quarterback at all. I mean, he was a tailback. So uh, uh, it, I think the Sid Luckman story is really is a testament to George Hallis more than anything, just because, you know, if George Hallis never invents the T formation and um, never puts Luckman in that situation, I don't know if we ever know who Luckman is. I mean, it's possible he never plays football. It's possible. It's quite possible he never plays quarterback. Um, and then even if he does, it's quite possible that he ends up in a place where the quarterback doesn't do much. So 
um, you know, the the entire uh, entirety of Sid Luckman's uh, football existence is owed to George Callis. Uh, of course, he did the rest from there, but. Um, you know, it's uh, why well, I think a lot of people don't realize, too, um, and I was actually rooting quite hard, as most Bears fans were, for uh, Trubisky to break, uh, you know, his single game uh, touchdown record of seven, uh, which Trubisky came close to on the uh, in the Tampa game. Um you know, of 2018 is, you know, Luckman was with the, the organization for 30 years um, you know, as the vice president and then as the quarterback's coach. So, um, you know, he was uh, truly a, a bear for life, um, you know, as it as it went. Um, so, you know, uh, obviously um, a guy that uh, most organizations are not looking to, you know, a, a player, you know, uh, that far in the past as, as one of their best quarterbacks of all time. But, you know, it is what it is, and he certainly was uh, one of the most prolific players in NFL history. He was. And, you know, when we, we've been talking about his 1943 season, you know, that, uh, that season when he threw for 28 touchdowns was an all-time record in the NFL, and uh, that record lasted until 1959. And in 1959, it was a 12-game season. So you know, that's how impressive that those 28 touchdown passes in 1943 actually were. Um, when you look at, you know, some of he, he still holds some Bears records as a quarterback, and you know, and it's right up there with any other quarterback in in the National Football League in. Uh, you know, yards per pass attempt in 1943, just per attempt, almost 11 yards per attempt, 10.86. His his attempts, yards passing per attempt for career at 8.42 is still a Bears record to this day. So, so hats off uh, to uh, to Sid Sid Luckman. Um, he. He uh, he went to work uh, for the Bears, like you said. He, he remained the Bears as vice president in 1954. He became the team's quarterback coach on a on a part-time basis, and he actually held that capacity through the 60s. Um, so Sid Luckman, number 42, member of the Hall of Fame, one of the 13 numbers retired by the Chicago Bears organization, and uh, just. Uh, not only he was he a hell of a ball player, uh, he was uh, you know just just a, a hell of a guy. Um, four times NFL champion uh, with the Bears in 1940, 41, 43, and 46. The most dominant decade in Bears history. NFL All Star in, in three straight seasons: 40, 41, and 42. Uh, first team all pro in 1941 through 44 and again in 47. Uh, it was a second team all pro in 46, the most valuable player in 1943. Uh, he led the league in passing yards three times. He led the league in passing touchdowns three times. He led the league in passer rating three times. And he was a member of of the the NFL 1940s all-decade team. So uh, that wraps up our history segment for the the Halitech Hall Show. Uh, Next week, 
uh, we go, have to go out of the 40s all the way to none other than uh, one of the first-round draft choices in 1965. Uh, he was drafted back-to-back with Gail Sayers, and it's none other than Dick Butkus, number 51, uh, will be our focus on our next uh, history segment. So, uh, Aaron, uh, a lot of things covered in, in this uh, episode. Uh, of course, we want to, again, give our condolences to the Bears family on the loss of Michael McCaskey. Uh, so the, the league did some great things by enhancing the Rooney Rule. Uh, and getting more, my, my, not only minorities, but it extends out to women as well uh, as being, uh, you know, included in interviews for coaching staffs and, and GM positions. And, and one thing that we forgot to mention is uh, they put a, a kibosh on holding back uh, any assistant coaches uh, to interview for uh, offensive uh, or defensive coordinator head coaching spots as well. So um, that ban has where it used to be the, the league could say, no, we're not going to let you interview this guy. But that's now gone. So uh, the league's done a lot of good things. They did a great job on their schedule. And uh, I just can't wait for the uh, season to get started. I'm chomping at the bit here, my friend, double A. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Um, you know, I'm also uh, hopeful, of course, that uh, we get some other things going. You know, uh, the Bundesliga in Germany started playing games, and um, you know, little by little, things are happening. Uh, they're talking about uh, restaurants with patios uh, can possibly open as soon as May 29th with restrictions, um, at least for the outdoor seating. So, um, you know, glimmers of hope. Uh, hopefully things uh, keep moving, moving in that direction, and um, you know we can uh, start start getting back to regular life. Uh, I'm certainly uh, certainly ready for it. It's hard to believe that next week is already Memorial Day week. Uh, yeah. So uh, have a great weekend. And uh, I you know, I don't even know if the Indy 500 is being raced. I know that the Coca-Cola 600 is still on. Uh, but I don't think that uh, the uh, Indy Racing League is back racing yet. Yeah, I want to say they they canceled it or definitely postponed it, but I don't know. I haven't heard. Uh, I'm not. Uh... I'm not. I'm not the, a good source for racing information. <laughs> yeah, neither. Neither am I. Just uh, obviously, NASCAR came back in the news here recently right. with mm-hmm. a couple of yep. races. So, yep. uh, with no fans in the stands, but right. uh, uh, hopefully, we won't have to open up the the NFL season with nobody in the stands because uh, um, you know, baseball. There's a lot of a lot of major league baseball teams. Uh, the White Sox, uh, Tampa, uh, you know, Pittsburgh uh, later in the year last year, uh, you know, teams were playing in front of five, 6,000 fans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a game, there were, there's been a couple of games in league history. One, I believe it was uh, the White Sox played in, in, or maybe it was the Red Sox and the Yankees had to play in a, in a game 
where there were no fans in the stands. And the funny part about it was that the announcer in the booth was actually having a conversation with the guy in the on-deck circle, and they could hear each other talking in normal voices. So interesting story. So let's hope that uh, we move beyond that and uh, we'll have full stadiums come, come September. Uh, with that, this is Mike Halitech thanking you for listening to the Halitech Hall Show. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean, on Sports Zone Chicago every Saturday morning. And, of course, a link to our podcast is always posted on our Twitter account at Halitech Hall and also at Facebook.com slash Halitech Hall. You can find every episode there. So listen to the current episode when it hits on Friday. Uh, and all of our past episodes, if you want to catch up on all of the historical things we talk about on Halitech Hall. With that, Aaron, I hope you have a great night. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. And then thanks again to Joe Ricotta, our guest. And we appreciate you. Have a great week.